morning. Hello. There we go. Hey, I probably had it on the whole time. Y'all are probably listening to me worship. And if you heard a beautiful angelic-like voice, not me. Definitely not me. But <laughs> thank you for muting me. Georgie's always got my back. I appreciate that. Well, hey, uh, as they said, next steps, this, right after this service right here, and that's kind of our on-ramping uh, track right there. And then also uh, Finding Free, uh, finding free uh, Youth is, starts this Wednesday at 6 p.m., Youth this Wednesday at 6 p.m. for all the youths, the youths. Uh, I wanted to tell you about Thrive Leadership School as well. That's going to kick off this Tuesday, Thrive Leadership School. If you think you're like ready for another challenge, like a next level type stuff in, in ministry or even in your, your business, having a different understanding, then Thrive Leadership School is for you. You'll need to get signed up today, though, uh, so that you can, you can have a book, have the books, have the material, have the content. It's not for slackers, all right? It's not for slackers. <laughs> you gotta, you got to give it your all. So... There's that. I want to invite you there. And then uh, we're, we're in our series, moving on, because we've got a lot of ministry to do today. Uh, we're in our series, Braveheart. Anybody ever seen the movie Braveheart? I kind of stole the tagline, but there's it says different. Uh, but I put every man lives, but not every man is free. And that, that can't be any more true of a statement that I, can, I, I mean, that I could express to you. The other one, what they use is every man dies, but not every man lives. Well, let me tell you, every man lives, but not every man is free. And I'm going to break that down. We've been breaking that down. It started literally last week. And uh, I think God opened some eyes last week. But I can tell you over the next few weeks, your spiritual eyes will be all the more open. And today, we're going to even uh, help you find more freedom in your walk. And that's the content. That's the, the, the name of this message right here is finding freedom. And so in order to be truly free, there's a place that you have to go to. There's, a, there's, there's, there's some things that have to happen before you can walk in the fullness of who Christ died for you to be. And that's going to require that your emotions be healed. Your emotions be healed because in your, in your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions, you, we tend to live out of those. And, and sometimes we don't even realize how much they're controlling us. And even more so, we don't realize how, much, how many hurts that we have that have been lingering on for years, decades even, that are affecting us and even controlling how we live now, and oftentimes even messing up current situations. You ever heard of, wow, there, or, said, or saw somebody in a cycle of life? Well, that's why, because there, there's a stronghold or strongholds that are unknowingly controlling their decisions because of old hurts that have been left unhealed. And so I'm going to help you with that today so that we can be truly free and move together. Uh, this was a ministry of Jesus. This is not just ministry of Nathan. This is ministry of Jesus or Thrive. And so in Luke 4, uh, it explains, he, Jesus explains the min his ministries. And so if you'll Luke 4 me up here, or I can do it right here. There we go. Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me show you how this breaks down to the five ministries of Jesus. Five ministries of Jesus right here, salvation. He said, preach the gospel. He said, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's, a, that's talking about salvation. Now, because Jesus desires that every person be saved. Isn't that good news? 
But then he also desires, because Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, he desires that every believer, now that you're saved, my next desire is for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one, theologically, who does that. Even Jesus was, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. He has anointed me, speaking about his own water, his own spirit baptism, once he came out of water baptism. Number three is this healing when he says the statement, recovery of sight to the blind, that means that's a ministry of Jesus to be healed. And it's talking about physical healing there. And then deliverance, proclaim liberty to the captives. And number five is where we're going to land today, emotional healing, to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those who are oppressed. And oppressed, in the translation, the authorized translation of the King James Version, oppressed literally means to be bruised. Like you've been bumped so hard, you didn't bleed, but you bruised really bad. Not bre- you didn't bleed outwardly, you bled inwardly. And so I, I have a, another Braveheart clip, because we're pulling out of this movie, that I want to show you. I'm going to show you one. Let me set it up for a second, because William the Bruce, wait, oh, sorry, William, William Wallace is, is going into battle, and he's got a plan for some of his other Scotsmen to come in and lead their clan to, vic- to, to overcome the English who they're fighting so that they can, they can have victory over the English. But William Wallace gains, gains ground, and then he grabs the flag, and here's what happens next. Do you ever been in, in a fight? You've been living in a fighting for someone or fighting for a relationship or fighting for something or been alongside people that you've, you've lent trust to, you gave trust over to, only to have them abandon you, only to have them turn their backs on you when you really needed them? Anybody ever been there? Nobody? Yeah, you've been there. And then, and then here, here, here's what he's saying. And then the, the, king of, the king of England is sitting there saying, how much he paid these other Scots, the leaders, other clans leaders, he paid them off to, to abandon William Wallace. And then he says, he commands his archer, his lead over, over his archers, to have archers shoot over all of them, both his own people, his Scots and the English. Uh, sorry, the English and the Scots. And so they made a deal with somebody who doesn't even care about them. And that's what happens when we get abandoned, by the way. Somebody goes and makes a deal that doesn't, they don't even care, with them, care about them. They just wanted the relationship to be broken. But yet here we are dealing with the hurts, the wounds, the broken heart, and the bruises. And Jesus came to heal those because all of us carry those. Whether you're willing to admit it today or not, all of us 
carry those. And let me tell you, Jesus heals broken hearts. Let me tell you about that. Broken right here, suntribo, this word right here, suntribo in the original text, original language, literally means to, to be broken into pieces. Like if I took a jar and I threw it on the concrete floor and it shattered everywhere, that's what that word means, never to be, put, never to be able to be put back together again. And then heart, cardia, where we get cardiac, heart, uh, that obviously broken heart, literally a heart that has been shattered, been broken so badly, it's even near impossible for it to be placed back together. Has your heart ever been broken? Well, Jesus can heal that today. It's not a ministry that, actually, it's not even a ministry that Jesus can do. It's a ministry that he does. And how does, how does Jesus work? By faith. You're going to have to apply the faith. Jesus does the work. Jesus can put every piece back together and you don't have to live with that. And I'm going to talk to you today about two strongholds, two major strongholds that have little sub-company. If you think about a, a main camp, like a, a, a watchtower with all these perimeters of little strongholds, it, it's almost like that. And so I'm going to talk to you about two strongholds that it's really because we leave open doors in our lives. Open doors come through hurts, unhealed wounds in our emotions, and then these strongholds enter in. It's actually spirits that come in and set up these strongholds. And I want to break it down for you in the Word as well. But I've noticed relationally, though, these are some of the most prevalent in the body of Christ. Obviously, they're prevalent in the world, but they shouldn't be prevalent in the body of Christ. Many times when our heart is broken, this stronghold of rejection takes place. It sets up root. It comes in through these hurts, these broken, the broken pieces of our heart, and sets up place. It sets up a, a stronghold. A stronghold is, a, is a, a fortified area that can't be easily taken down. And our heart is broken over a relationship or a friendship or a loss of someone. Our heart is broken or shattered uh, and rejection comes in and starts to close the loops of the conversation or the issues of the relationship. You ever been lost in wonder, left in wonder because of a, a heartbroken issue, a heartbreaking issue? Your emotions are hurt and then all of a sudden the spirit of rejection comes in and says, I'll tell you how that goes. I'll tell you what the reality is. I'll tell you how to deal with that. And that's what exactly what happens, and, and then we begin to believe that, and it sets up a stronghold. And I want you to notice uh, what happens when re rejection comes in, because I also want you to know that as, as humans, we are susceptible to being rejected. We are susceptible to, re to rejection. Why? Because theologically, we were born into rejection. Whenever Adam and Eve fell, they were rejected out of the garden and placed outside of the garden rejected from the presence of God. And so because of the fall, because of nature, we, when we came into earth, when we came to earth, when we were born through our mother, we were born in rejection. Though we were accepted, there was rejection. Until, because of the blood of Jesus, until we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that blood of Jesus has not atoned for our sin, and, and God cannot be in relationship with sin. So therefore, because of the atonement of Jesus' blood, we are accepted once we receive Christ, we're accepted by God the Father. So though we are actually positionally accepted, our mind, our will, and emotions are still connected and comfortable because of our years of living in a rejected state. 
we're more comfortable in rejection. So should we, while saved, be in a very difficult situation and default button gets pressed, we don't act out, we, unless we've been discipled well and find, found freedom, we oftentimes don't act out of or respond out of acceptance. We respond out of this rejection. You're like, you just solved all my relationship problems. Could you just close this thing up right now? And so, and so we have to develop, use the term, use the movie, a brave heart so that we can find freedom and fight for freedom so that our emotions can be healed and we can live this life that Jesus came and went to the cross for us to actually have. That would be the abundant life, life, life more abundantly. And so let me tell, tell you in Hosea 8.3, Hosea 8, the prophet was prophesying as the voice of God. He says, Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. What God was saying through the prophet Hosea is, because you rejected my way, now you left an open door for the enemy to come in and torment you. And there are more verses that I can show you, but today I've got to just use my time wisely so that I can have more time to, to minister to you on the backside of this. So inside of this, this spirit of this rejection, I'm going to show you seven other strongholds that come in. And oftentimes when you may be ministering or living with someone or dealing with someone or handling a situation and you see one of these strongholds, sometimes we want to deal with that one, but that's not even the root issue. And these things keep us in bondage, which keeps us from living that fullness of life. Let me talk to you about these seven broken heart, these seven uh, strongholds that come from broken hearts and the spirit of rejection. And number one is anger. Number one is going to be anger. Uh, people who have outbursts of anger uh, actually have a spirit of rejection. Sometimes there's a fit of rage that explodes out of you. Uh, I can tell you personally, growing up, I had a really weird set of events. I'll explain some of them later. But by the time I was 12, it got even more weird. And so I had a lot of, lot of misunderstandings, a lot of questions that were not going answered, not getting answered. I had a lot of confusing scenarios in my family's life. My family was separating and splitting apart. I didn't have all the complete answers from, from parents. Each other were supposed to tell, you know, they were depending on the other one to tell me that what was going on. And let me just tell you what happened. I was left there to fill in all the blanks by myself. And it wasn't good. <laughs> And I had confusion and misunderstanding. I would let things build up and build up and build up until once I had enough, I would just explode. And it was almost like that little game that you press down. It's perfection where you press it down and you have to put all the little pieces in before it just pops up and it just... Like it didn't even have to do... What you, what you were doing was not that serious. But it was your time because it was my time. It was bad. And my dad once explained to me, uh, son, you're like a Coke bottle that's just been shaken up, shaken up, shaken up, and then all of a sudden it just explodes. And, and he's right. I was. Uh, it was almost like fits of rage. And it literally continued until I was in my 20s. I would find myself in mid-20s. I'm telling you mid-20s, and I know I look like I'm 30 right now. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it was my mid-20s a long time ago. And so... <laughs> So I literally would find myself screaming and yelling, I mean, like at people I knew, like people would somebody do something to me or, or wasn't even doing something to me. They were just doing something, and I would take it so offensively, I would just explode on them. I mean, there's stuff that I can't even mention to you that it would just like, you would look at me completely different. But I would, 
uh, you'd probably look at me different after I tell you this. It's probably the, that gift, that communication gift that the enemy was trying to steal from me. I would literally, I would literally talk so bad to them that I would just make them cry. I wanted them to feel as empty on the inside as I did. It was my goal to make them feel like I felt, how poverty-stricken how poverty I was emotionally. It was my goal to make them cry even harder. That's how bad it was. That's anger. <laughs> and that's a stronghold. And it wasn't my norm for my character, but if anything would unknowingly remind me of the hurts that were, that were lied to and confused and misunderstood, I would act uncontrollably. Anybody know about a stronghold? 1 Samuel 15, 26, let me give you some evidence of this. But Samuel said to Saul, Samuel was the last prophet, said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Next verse. Uh, this is verse chapter 19, four chapters later. Now remember, Saul just got rejected. He, just, he has this rejection experience. And now the distressing spirit of the Lord came upon Saul. This distressing, it's actually translated out of the 663 times this word is used in the Bible. It's, it's translated 442 times as evil. So an evil spirit, now the evil spirit of the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. So because of the spirit of rejection Saul carried, whenever, whenever he would get angry, he sought to kill someone. He got so enraged, he couldn't control himself. It was a stronghold because of this rejection, this moment of rejection. Because he rejected, he refused to obey the word of the Lord. He got rejected by the Lord, had a spirit of rejection, and now he had a stronghold of anger. And broken, let me get back to broken hearts and, and spirit of rejection. Number two is this, insecurity. Insecurity, and I'm talking about this deep insecurity. I'm not talking about a personality type or anything like that. I'm talking about this person sets up, looks, look, goes into a room, and they find where they can be perfectly positioned so that everybody can see them. And they want to make sure that everybody's going to come by and greet them, say hi, recognize them, whatever it is. In a board meeting, they're going to find the seat that they, can, they think is most prominent so people will recognize them. Uh, you walk into a room or you walk into a space and you don't mention or you don't greet them, you don't say hi, they're going to be, they're going to be what's, wonder what's wrong with them. Did they do something wrong? Are they, they're going to start getting, maybe get upset depending on what stronghold replies next. They're going to get angry with you. They're going to be mad at you. They may not even talk to you for days or months. Months later, you'll find out, well, because you never greeted me that day. Insecurity, stronghold. We talk to you about pride. The people, these people make themselves feel, appear like they've got it all together. Everything's clean and good and everything's perfect and sharp and in place. Don't worry. If you need something, they've got it. They're sure about it. They've already prepared for whatever you might have. It's already in the books. Done deal. Got it. And if, you, if, you're, if you're leading a tribe in a meeting, they think you're in a meeting and they, think, they want to tell you everything they think about a subject or know about a subject because they want you to know how smart they are. They want to tell, your, tell you their opinion about everything. Nothing can go silent. Independence. 
These people think they can do it all on their own. They even make these comments. Well, I don't need you to do that. I don't need you. I can do that on my own. They say, uh, they're going to do, these people are going to do whatever they're going to do anyway. You can't give them accountability. You can't coach them. You can't teach them because no matter what it is, they are so independent. They are stuck on what they are already decided that they're going to do that they're going to just do anyway because they don't need you anyway. Easily offended. Number five, they're difficult to joke with and even sometimes to be direct with. You may, you may, be, uh, you may even feel like when you're walking around them, you're walking on eggshells. Like, all of a sudden, your little senses get up and like, it's like, don't say this, don't say this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this, don't be here, be here. Lexi, why are you laughing? And so it's, it's don't, hey, listen, last one I heard, I saw wives looking at husbands on the pride thing and the independence. I, I saw y'all. I just didn't make mention. Now I'm seeing some husbands. Mm. Lunch is going to be interesting today. Let me just tell you. <laughs> so, but you start joking or talking about things and, and it's like, you're in the mid, like you're five to ten minutes into this conversation and roundabout, and then all of a sudden, boom, this person pops off, and they just, you don't even know where you crossed the line. Y'all know that person. Maybe it's the same person. I don't know. But you just can't, you can't move. You feel paralyzed. That's a stronghold. That's a stronghold they're dealing with. Uh, excessive shyness or loneliness. Again, not talking about personality types. I'm talking about excessive shyness, excessive loneliness. Like no matter what, they won't speak. They don't want to speak. They can't even hear you that you want them to speak. They, they can't even, they can't even uh, acknowledge that they are even in the room. They just want to be well, 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 way over there in the corner of, that, a corner of that wall, and they don't want anybody to talk to them. And in fact, if you talk to them, they're going to be shy. They're going to be insecure, and they're going to wonder why are you talking to them. They're mad because you're talking to them. Now you're bringing a, a light on them. They want to be unseen. This is, this is, this is a stronghold. They may even get mad because you make them talk. You make them say hi. You make them introduce themselves. They won't even look at you in the eye. It's a stronghold or protection because they have a spirit of rejection and they're trying to do anything they can to hide inside. How about this one? Let me land here for a little bit. Control and manipulation. And I've never met someone who wrestles with control and manipulation that doesn't have the spirit of rejection. Never. You see, when you have the spirit of rejection, you're very susceptible to being a manipulator because you have to control people around you, and you have to control their, their responses so they don't, they don't reject you. You have such a fear of being rejected that you want to control and manipulate, manipulate to bring everything under your control, whether the person is with you or not with you. When they're not with you, you want to create even more control. You probably call them on the phone, create more control so that they'll be afraid to do anything even when they're gone. Oh, Yeah. These people may have to, find, uh, have to find a way to control the room or the relationships uh, that the, any of them that they're in so that they, they don't get rejected again. And I'm not talking about people who set up healthy boundaries. That's different. I'm not going to let you run over me like that. We're not going to handle that situation. Well. We're not going to do that. That's not going to be okay. When we do that, now you're crossing the line. Now you're hurting me. That's, that's healthy. However, I'm not going to abuse that either. And, and, and I'm going to show you in just a minute how that happens because now that can turn into manipulation and control because... They start to do other things. Let me just get through this. So instead of letting you talk, they keep interrupting you and sometimes even turn, turn, turn it back on you. But yeah, well, you, you try to address something. Well, yeah, well, you did this. Yeah, well, you did this, this, and this. Yeah, well, you, 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 you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, let's talk about that. You can talk about me all you want, but eventually we're going to talk about you. 
And we're going to deal with this, this issue, this stronghold that you're wrestling with. And, and control and manipulation, they're not always obvious and overt either. Sometimes they appear to be receiving accountability or correction or direction. They're, they're taking it and they're accepting it and they're like, yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, that's right, that's good. And then they go away from the conversation and they manipulate and they control and they deceive and they take everything out of context and then they try to find other people to tell this false story so that they can have other people accept their next deceived steps. Control and manipulation. Have you ever heard of the expression, hurt people, hurt people? Offended people, offend people. And free people, free people. Sometimes these people will even use pity. Here we go. And when you try to address the issues with them, they turn everything into a pity party. And they may even come to you and try to apologize, but, but do you know what this did to me? Like, they can't even apologize without trying to turn this stuff back around on, on you. I'm so sorry when I did that, I did that. But do you know what you did to me? <laughs> like, wait a minute. Are, you, are we in accusation or a forgiveness mode? What are we doing here? You know the type. Manipulation. And they're not crying because they, they're wrong. They come into a room, you call them in, you're like I'm trying to talk to them, or you're trying to have a conversation, a real conversation, like I really want to restore this relationship or help this relationship, and boom, they enter in crying. And they're not even crying for anything you did. They're crying because they want to manipulate you, and they're, in their mind, they're like, you're going to hurt me. Whatever's about to happen, you're going to hurt me. And this is all because of the spirit of rejection, this major stronghold, the spirit of rejection, and it's fleshed out in this other stronghold that here's what happened. And y'all need to hear me on this. When they first got hurt, back in the day, whenever it was, when they first got hurt, the attribute that they're bringing, the stronghold that they're bringing to you, that was the very spirit that comforted them, comforted them in their time of need. Oh, your rejection? Well, if you just set up shop here, you just make sure that you control every environment, and that'll never happen to you again. Well, I tell you what, you just, you just take care of yourself. No one, else, no one needs to help you. You don't need any help from anybody. You can do it all on your own. Independence will take care of you. You got this. I don't know why I have broken relationship after broken. I don't know why there's a trail of brokenness. So the real problem, though, is they can stop. It's like when your child is, is throwing a fit. I got, I got little kids, and they're throwing a fit, and, and, and grandparents will say, here, have some candy. Have all the candy you want. Just have some candy and stop crying. But I'm like, I'll give you something to cry about. Amen. Nathan goes from deep crying to, really? <laughs> but that, that, that's a, they can stop. It's just that they're manipulating, it's manipulating you, and so they choose not to stop. And so when, when, uh, <laughs> what you need to know is that sometimes to try to de- try trying to heal, we try to heal by dealing with only these seven but I'm telling you, you got to deal with the main one first. And when the people behave in such ways, it's often because the stronghold they live out of is the one that they're most comfortable with. So let me talk to you about Jesus, the bruises, and Jesus heals bruises. Uh, bruises like uh, you get hit really hard, you know this, uh, you don't bleed outwardly, but your, color, your skin turns color, and it's actually bleeding inwardly. They're, the capillaries are, are bleeding, and they're hurt, they're injured, uh, even though... The, the color may go away, there's still sometimes, if it's a deep bruise, there's still pain and there's a little, a little bit of in, uh, sensitivity around it. It could easily, if bumped hard, could easily bleed again because the capillaries are still trying to heal. You following me? And so what, what oftentimes happens is because you've been hit or you bumped a few times and there's bruised, you're bruised and you're sore and you, you start to protect. 
anything that comes near. Like, oh, oh, nope. And it starts to get close, and it, nope, nope. Because in your mind, you know, that, that, whatever you're about to do reminds me of pain, so I'm pushing you away. But pushing you away because of this, because of this bruise, it actually ends up being a doorway for unforgiveness. Let me show you this. Luke 4, 18. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To set at liberty someone who's bruised would mean that someone who's bruised is actually in bondage. If you're not in bondage, you don't need to be at liberty. So people who have been bruised are actually in bondage, even to modern day. Have you ever been bruised? Have you ever, you ever been in an experience where it feels like the life has just been sucked out of you? You've been crushed. You're like, oh. You just feel lifeless. Uh, I have. You ever lost a loved one? You ever lost a marriage? I could say to you, you ever lost a child? You ever lost a, an intimate friend, close relationship? You've been bruised. Life has been sucked out of you. And you were left looking for answers. When these things happen, it makes way for the spirit of unforgiveness. And I'm telling you, these spirits of unforgiveness and rejection are of the worst. It is nasty when people are living out of these things. Let me tell you a story, though, that Jesus told about this issue. And let me say this now. This is an area of the Bible, a truth about God that people shy away from because they don't want to know certain sides of God. But also, they, they forget to think, they fail to think and understand that it's not God's will, but it is his will to heal. And if we'll apply his word instead of our ways, then he can heal the things that are broken and bruised. Does that make sense? And so there was this man in Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is a lot about forgiveness. In fact, Jesus spends a lot in Matthew on forgiveness. It's in the Lord's Prayer. And then he gives a little thesis about, hey, remember me, let me remind you about that forgiveness piece. Over here in Matthew 18, if somebody's wronged you, go to them. Go to them. And then down here at Matthew 18, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ad-lib the beginning of it. It will pick it up at 32. You can keep it there. But there was a, a, a man who owed a great debt. He was a servant. He had a master. And he owed what was basically more than a lifetime's wage. It was $55 million in, in equivalence today with inflation, about $55 million. He goes to the master, and he begs, for, begs for, for forgiveness. He says, there's no way I can pay this. And the master's like, you're right, you can't. But the master forgives anyway. He forgave him of the full debt saying, hey, no problem. You don't have to pay this. Now, what he's talking about is salvation. Jesus, we, Jesus, God paid a debt through Jesus over us that we could never pay. We could never pay that. And so Jesus did that for us. So this is a saved man, a believer now. And then he goes and does this. He goes and finds a servant who owes him equivalent of $50. And he strangles him, he grabs him, he throws him in prison until he can pay him. And the master, master finds out, and we're going to pick that up right here. So then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all of that debt because you begged me. 33. Should you not also have, have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him into the, to the torturer, uh, torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do, this is Jesus speaking, these are red letters, 
so my heavenly Father will also do to each to do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespass. So the master handed this, this servant over to the torturers because he wouldn't forgive. And, and Jesus is saying the same thing. Well, if you're going to choose not to forgive, you're choosing your own independent way, then you'll be handed over to the torturers as well. So your earnings is torture and torment. Have you ever known someone who is obviously living in unforgiveness over something or towards something or someone. Like they're doing these crazy wild things. They're acting like, who is this person? They're going around and even hurting other people. They're so mad about a situation or a scenario or, a, or, or some, at someone that all of a sudden they start, to, you can see bitterness and resentment. You can see hatred. You can see anger, envy, jealousy. All of these things start to come out of them, and nobody wants to move because they're like, mm -mm, I'm not going to move. I'm not going give, to give my spouse an inch on this one. But it's, it's nasty. And so Jesus is trying to explain to them, listen, that is, the, that is the fruit of you not following the will, the word of God. That is where the torturers and the tormentors live. And it's no wonder that you're suffering such things is because you're walking in unforgiveness. In 1 Corinthians 5.5, 5, let, let me tell you about this. Paul is talking about someone who is causing corruption and issues and discord in the church. He writes Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians says, Deliver such a one over to, to Satan for the destruction, destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, why would God allow this? In the Old Testament, when, when, God, when the people of God would go away from God, he would literally hand them over to their enemy. In the new covenant, we, he has covering that's according to his word. When we choose not to apply his word in situations, we walk out from under his covering. Both end up in torment and torture. That is not his will. His will is that we repent and turn back to God and appropriate his word in our situation so that we can be covered and not have to deal with torturers and tormentors. That's his will. That's the reason that that even exists. James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, because you can't come back under and find freedom until you start to repent. Submit to God, resist the devil, and, and the devil will flee. Here's the talking about the same guy. Paul writes back in 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. Apparently, there's been some repentance, and they're, they're, they told Paul about the situation. And so Paul says, hey, well, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed, for if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven the one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Let Satan, uh, lest Satan should uh, take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Listen, he's trying to work in those situations. Next verse. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul writes, and no, one, and no wonder, for Satan himself, himself transforms himself into an angel of life. Transformed right here is like masquerade. Anybody ever been to a masquerade party? You put this little mask on. And it's got to cover your face. And they're like, oh, who's that? Oh, oh, that's Jill. Hey, Jill. Oh, that's Danny over there. Hey, Danny, how are you? You're just hiding behind that mask. I thought you were the Phantom of the Opera. Opera. And Holy Spirit is a comforter. And Satan is a tormentor. But Satan puts on his little masquerade mask. 
hey, I'm Holy Spirit. I came to comfort you in your time of hurt. He transforms himself into an angel of light so he can meet all of your needs during your time of pain. So he enters in through these hurts. It's a doorway. He starts to comfort you. Let me give you a scenario. Let's say me and my wife, Allie, are fighting. And man, it got real. And I leave. I had enough of this. And the false comforter comes in. Hey, Nathan, so sorry that happened. Can you believe she said that to you? Did you, did you see the way she dishonored you? Does she not respect you? Do you remember what she said last time this happened? Oh, yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Can you believe she treats you that way with all that you've done for her? She ought to be thankful for you. Oh, oh, he's filling in gaps. He's closing circles. If you got an eye watch, you know, those rings are popping. He's got it all figured out. And the moment you believe that, sets up a truth, sets up an agreement with a lie, sets up a stronghold. And then after that, the other advice that he gives, oh, you, whatever it is that he gives, insecurity starts to happen, maybe pride, independence, excessive shyness, loneliness, control and manipulation. Well, I tell you what, you can outsmart her. All you got to do is the da 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 Oof. It's on then. Because he's come in. And you believe because of your pain and your hurt and your anger, you believe that he's the angel of light. Can I just say that, was, that actually happened in our marriage more than once when we were first married? Oh, it was a joy the weeks after. There's never been more healing and more, more progression for my life with Christ than when I experienced emotional healing. I've been saved, and you should be thankful for that. I've been saved. I've been water, I've been water baptized. I've been spirit baptized. I went through some deliverance. But emotional healing, when I found emotional healing, was the greatest, most life-giving moment beyond salvation and spirit baptism. I remember I told you when I was 12, these things happened. It was built off of other misconceptions and misunderstandings. When I was eight years old, my house burnt down. My family's house burnt down in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. My dad, the doorbell rang, and my dad runs to the, the garage door, goes to the garage door, uh, garage, the door in the garage, and answers it. Nobody's there. Goes back to bed. Doorbell rang again. Goes back. Flames everywhere. One thing is he was supposed to be gone all that night. Most nights, my dad would be, be out at a poker game, pool game, tournament, or dominoes. Just happened to be that night, there was a big poker game, and he decided to stay home, which was rare. Rare. I remember running through the house in my whitey tidies, smoke everywhere, jump. I remember jumping the bar stool. I can see it like it's right now, like it's happening right now. We were sitting across the street in a chair, nothing but whitey tidies and a towel. Sean Blake, my neighbor, came over. He brought me a towel so I can uh, be, be warm or whatever. I sat there and watched my house burn all night long. 
I was only worried about my little green uh, BMX, my, my, my diamond back. And I had, it was freestyle, pegs on the front and the back. White tires, green, lime green, mm, killing it. Whew. And a few years ago, Allie and I came back. She was pregnant. We came back from Belize, and we got in late at night. It was about in the 30s, and uh, the, 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 the shop was smoking. I go to the door, touch it. It's too hot. It was on fire on the inside. That night, I sat there and watched the shop, my shop burn down, and I'm telling you, for days, I cried like a baby in my bed, not because of the shop, I've been trained in freedom, and I know, and in fact, I was preparing for a freedom conference to lead a freedom conference not a couple of weeks away. God began to take me through every memory that I could handle from the time I was around eight years old until I was 20. It takes a while. He began to show me what the truth was about scenarios and what the reality was and where he was in the situation and how he was doing something and how even today was playing out way back then. He was setting me free is why I was spending so much time with tears. My, my soul was being healed by the tears. And so I want to I share that with you because I want to minister to you. I know we're running late, but it's worth it. And so I want to pray over you today, and I want to lead you through a prayer. And, and let me just, I want to ask you to close your eyes. Nobody's going to come and do anything to you. <laughs> just close your eyes. Just, you, just be with you and the Lord. And the Lord's going to start to, the Holy Spirit's going to bring up some memories. And, and it may be, it may be painful. It may be from your childhood. It may be uh, an old memory of something that happened to you. It may be verbal abuse. It may be physical abuse. It may be sexual. It may be something with your parents or a close friend. Maybe an uncle. Maybe a spouse. Could be something that you did. Let me just say there's people that will probably never come and ask for forgiveness. Never kneel down before you and say, please forgive me for that. But Jesus knelt down before his disciples and washed their feet. And I'm telling you, if you'll allow, if you'll listen, if you'll follow the Lord on this and you'll agree with him, Jesus will come and he will wash away the pains of your hurts and feel and heal your soul. So Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you begin to reveal the memories that you choose to heal right now in this place. Bring up the things that you know, that you wanna work on, that are gonna, that are gonna unfold to other greater issues. And let me just say this, if he's bringing up some small memory and you're like, oh, that's not big, that big of a deal. If God brought it up, agree with God and watch to see what he does after that. You may have a memory and it's just, or memories, rather. And I want to ask you, if you're here today and God gave you a memory or memories, I want to ask you to stand up. Just act of faith. Just stand up. It was about half the group last, yes, half the group last service and the rest were lying. <laughs> Just stand up if God gave you a memory. Don't walk out of here with bondage that you could leave right here. give you also a little bit more time. And I, can, I just want to say, once you find freedom and healing, you don't, you don't mind if other people are around. You don't. 
And I want to I lead you in a prayer to pray this out loud. You're not going to confess any, any, any issues or sins or anything like that. You're just going to come into agreement with the Lord over a prayer. So here I go. Father, I want to pray out loud. Come on with me. You can do this. Let your voice be heard. Father, I submit these memories to you. I ask you to, to, for, to heal me. Now from all of the stress, all of the pain, all of the hurt, I ask that you give me holy forgetfulness. And I choose now by an act of my will to forgive, to forget, and to be healed in Jesus' name. Just stay right there. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you for showing up. In the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of unforgiveness to go right now in Jesus' name. All of the stronghold attributes, connected pride, independence, control, manipulation, excessive, excessive shyness, anger, I command you to go right now in Jesus' mighty name. Spirit of rejection. I command you to go right now in Jesus' name, and I plead the acceptance of the Word of God and the will of God and the blood of Jesus over every person and over every space and over every soul and over every emotion in this place in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen, everybody? Hey, let's